This is Ballin' with the Bison, your home for everything you need to know about Bucknell women's basketball. Now Johnson right wing, three on the way, good! Allie Johnson rattles home another three. She's got 17, and it's a 63-54 lead for Bucknell. It's a nine-point advantage, the largest of the day for the Bison. Rebound, Tessa Brugler puts it on the floor once, goes up, bucket good, and the foul. Three-point play coming up for Tessa Brugler. Tucker for three, it's blocked by Seppi. Autumn Seppi blocks the three-pointer. And now, here's your host, Joe Vasile. All right, everybody, welcome in to week number three of Balling with the Bison podcast. My name is Joe Vasile. I'm the play-by-play voice of Bucknell Women's Basketball, and it is Monday, November 18th. We are officially two weeks into the college basketball season, and the Bucknell Bison are four games in, two wins and two losses, both of their wins coming at home. Last week on the podcast, we talked to you a little bit about that first win against Monmouth. We'll start week number three on the podcast or episode number three of the podcast, rather, by talking about that second win, which came last Wednesday, my final of 68-60 to 60 over St. Bonaventure. Uh, Bucknell then on Saturday went on the road, took on Quinnipiac, and fell 76-69. to 69. We'll talk about that game uh, coming up in just a minute. But at home at Soika Pavilion last Wednesday, Bucknell came out a little bit I don't want to say flat, but they came out not their usual selves on the defensive side as St. Bonaventure was 6 of 12 from three-point range in the first half and took a 36-33 to lead into the locker room at halftime. And that was coming off of a game against Monmouth where Bucknell allowed 37 points for the entire contest. So a, a much different field defensively for the Bison in that first half. However, in the second They came out like a completely different team, playing much stronger defense, uh, especially in terms of guarding the three-point line, where St. Bonaventure shot just 4 of 14 uh, for the rest of the game and only made seven field goals on 30 attempts in the second half. Meanwhile, Bucknell came out after they were a little bit slow to get going uh, in terms of shooting the basketball in the first quarter. They were a little better in the second and continued that momentum into the third quarter where they were able to outscore St. Bonaventure 21-10. to Things were a little bit closer in the fourth, but it was an eight-point margin that St. Bonaventure was never able to erase going into that fourth quarter, and that would also be the final margin in the game, 68-60 to for the Bison in that one. After the game, Trevor Woodruff talked about the difference in the first half to the second half during the contest and, and kind of the turnaround for the Bison coming out of the locker room at halftime and his overall thoughts on the game. Well, basically, I just I didn't feel like our uh, we had much attention to detail with our three-point defense. I, they seemed to be open whenever they wanted to be. Our closeouts were soft. So we really just went back to basics on that, talked more about personnel, who was what, and what we needed to do against it. Um, we started to switch a lot more in the second half. Uh, because the the actions they run are very difficult to guard, and, and when you have that many shooters on the floor, uh, it's difficult. So, did a much better job in the second half. Still, still not good enough. We've got work to do, but uh, enough for today. Meanwhile, the Bison were helped out by a phenomenal performance by Allie Johnson in that game, who netted a career high 17 points. 
She also had a couple of rebounds and three assists. Three of seven from beyond the arc as Johnson, through the first four games for Bucknell, has been a player who has probably stepped up the most from last year to this year, embracing a larger role on the team. And she talked about what has allowed her to kind of be that breakout player for Bucknell this season. Um, I think kind of confidence in myself. Like, we have some tough roles to fill from last year's shoes, and I knew that people on our team are going to have to step up. Like, me now being an upperclassman, um, have to fill on that role of being, like, a scorer, but not only being able to handle the ball and um, help the younger kids, like, um, get used to college basketball and our new system in general. And so Bucknell was 2-1 and one coming out of the St. Bonaventure game and feeling good, or, or at least I felt good on behalf of the team going into Saturday against Quinnipiac. And the Bobcats are a team that, much like Bucknell, graduated 3,000-point scores from last year and have had some incredible success uh, in their conference in the MAC, where they haven't lost a game in over two years. Uh, they've gone undefeated the last two seasons, and it's something like a 53-game uh, winning streak in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. So a very imposing opponent on Saturday. And, and Bucknell fought hard, but were sunk by some early troubles, especially uh, foul troubles, into the second quarter as Quinnipiac took an 11-point lead into the locker room at halftime. Bucknell, after a strong start in the first, struggled from the floor in the second quarter, just 4 of 17 uh, in the second quarter. Uh, from the floor, and Quinnipiac was able to tack on. They did just enough offensively, and they got to the free throw line 28 times as Bucknell only uh, shot six free throws in the entire game. And when you have a 28-6 to margin in free throws, and I said this in the postgame show uh, on Saturday, but generally it's the team that takes 28 that's going to get there. And uh, a lot of those... Free throws came within the final minute of the fourth quarter as Bucknell was in foul mode to try and extend the game. I want to say the Bison committed five fouls in the final minute. So it wasn't necessarily that wide of a gulf throughout the entire contest. But Bucknell went just 7 of 26 from beyond the three-point arc in the game. Quinnipiac, 8 of 18. That's a much better percentage-wise mark over 44% versus right around 27 for the Bison. And overall, a little bit better three-point shooting, uh, getting to the free-throw line a lot more in a seven-point game. That was the difference um, between Quinnipiac and Bucknell. It was one of those games, and I said this on Twitter, which, by the way, at Joe Vasile PBP Instagram, Joe Vasile, uh, just copied my name out of the show description, uh, for those, if you would like to follow me, I certainly do appreciate it. Um, but I said this on Twitter yesterday on Sunday. One of the things, one of the biggest takeaways for me through four games for this Bucknell team is even when they don't have their A game, they still fight, right? This is a very uh, scrappy team. And I almost hesitate to call them scrappy because... I feel like a lot of times when sports media folks, um, myself included, call a team or a player scrappy, they're almost saying that, well, they're not the most talented, but they fight hard. That's not the case with this Bucknell team. There is a lot of talent on this Bucknell Bison women's basketball team. But uh, I guess there's a better word out there. They they work hard. They fight um, 
they're a scrappy team going on the road to Quinnipiac and being down 11 at halftime, having a couple of key players in foul trouble in that first half. It would have been easy for this Bison team to not play as well as it did in the second half when Bucknell outscored Quinnipiac in the third quarter. They outscored him again in the fourth and were able to take that 11-point Bobcats lead and shave it down to four points at one point in the fourth quarter. And when shot after shot was not falling and, again, not bad looks, uh, I have not seen this team take a lot of bad shots through four games. Um, They don't really chase. They weren't chasing three-pointers on Saturday, even though they took 26. It's a team that's got good enough shooters that they should be taking 26 threes a game. Maybe not necessarily that many, but they should be taking a lot. But the way that this team is capable of playing defense and when they were giving up buckets, when they're playing good defense and they're just going down for Quinnipiac and they're not falling for you on the other end when you're getting good looks, it's something that could be demoralizing. But this team's never let that on so far this year. Even going back to the first game of the year at the University of Virginia, there was never a point in that one where you felt like this Bucknell team was defeated on the floor. They were hard fighting for 40 minutes. In that game, they fought hard for 40 minutes in the Quinnipiac game as well. And, and, uh, and of course, you can't talk about the Quinnipiac game. One thing I've just completely glossed over is a career game for Ellie Mack. Uh, I mean, she was great on the offensive side of the ball. She had 33 points, uh, a new career high for her, 14 of 23 from the floor and three of six from deep. And in a day where some of her teammates who normally are much more efficient on the offensive side, just were a little bit off the mark. Um, Ellie Mack was right there. She was great on the defensive side, played strong. Allie Johnson had a great defensive game. She came up with four steals. Uh, Tessa Brugler had some foul trouble throughout the game, but in the 19 minutes she was able to play, she was terrific. Uh, six rebounds, which was tied for the team lead in 19 minutes, is is outstanding, including four offensive rebounds, uh, a couple of assists, a blocked shot, the only one uh, that the Bison had in the day. So when you kind of take all that and you you stick it in a blender and you come out with the finished product of two and two, you got to be happy, I think, with the effort shown by the Bison here so far this year. And I think that, yes, while you obviously rather be 3-1 and one through four games or 4-0 and oh through four games. Uh, I think that the 2-2 two and two record for the Bison is nothing to, to kind of hang your head about. Uh, you've played well, and not to say that there aren't things to tighten up moving forward, but all things considered, this team and where the struggles have come from has not been uh, from a standpoint of lackluster effort on the floor because... It's been nothing but uh, but hustle and hard work out of this team uh, through four games so far this season. Our guest today on the podcast is Bucknell assistant coach Kelly Mazanti, who was a standout at Penn State, still the all-time leading scorer at Penn State University for men's or women's, and when she graduated, was the Big Ten's all-time leading scorer for basketball, either on the men's or women's side. Had a great career in the WNBA, played a little professionally overseas as well before taking a job as an assistant coach at Indiana University of Pennsylvania for the last few years, where she was a part of one of the best Division II women's basketball programs in the country, 
Now she's come a little bit closer to home, which is Williamsport for her in her first season on the coaching staff here at Bucknell. We'll talk about all those topics, but we'll start with an honor that she just received going into the Susquehanna Valley branch of the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame inducted alongside uh, former Bucknell baseball coach Jean DePew. She went in last Sunday, which was November 10th, and so we got to talk to her first about how much of an honor that was for her. It was a tremendous honor. I, I think it kind of brought together you know, the, the, the great years that I was able to play the game of basketball gave me a chance to kind of reflect on everyone who made that possible. Um, my family was there. Uh, Coach Woodruff and his wife were there. So it was just a nice, a nice evening to kind of commemorate them. And I know, obviously, starting fairly locally up in Williamsport, where you played your high school basketball, and then out at Penn State, a great career before going and playing pro in the WNBA and overseas what kind of experience was that, I guess, just in terms of playing professionally and, and how does that kind of help you on the coaching side of things? Well, I think, you know, your your basketball life is, isn't is very long, so I, I feel like I was very blessed to maximize the amount of playing years I had post-college. Um, and I just think the experience factor, there's probably nothing I've gone through as a basketball player that these kids can't relate to that they're going through so just trying to you know help them guide their experience be there for them and and just you know coach them up as much as I can at what point in your playing career did you start thinking about transitioning into more of a coaching role when things were done you know when I finished playing I took a year off to kind of figure out what I wanted to do and I was approached by a, a dad who said, you want to help coach our AAU team? And the first huddle I was in, I said, this is what I want to do. So it was kind of like an aha moment for me. Um, but I think it's just a natural succession, and I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So you go there and then coach for a few years at Indiana University in Pennsylvania, IUP. For those who don't know, a really good <laughs> Division II uh, program out there. What was that experience like, and, and kind of how did you grow at your time at IUP? You know, I couldn't have asked for a better first coaching job under the tutelage of Tom McConnell, um, Division Two. It just, it was a great experience. I learned so much every single year. Um, I'm grateful for those five years. And, you know, there's, just like as a, as a basketball player, as a coach, you learn something new every day. So I'm just, you know, getting used to, you know, now at a different level, different staff. So it's, it's been a good transition. What has been the easiest and then the, the hardest part of that transition? Well, I think they kind of go hand in hand. I think we're all new, so we're all coming together. You know, just like the team's coming together, we're coming together as a staff. Um, it's been a really good transition. I think we all, we're all we all local people. Uh, we all understand it. Um, so we're just kind of treading this together, which, which has been a really good thing. What was, I guess, the, the deciding factor in, in making the move from IUP to Bucknell? Kind of what went into that decision and, and what let you know that it was kind of the right time to make the move? It was quick. I just knew. I think when I met with Coach Woodruff, um, I just think it was one of those moments where I knew I wanted to go to Penn State. <laughs> IUP worked out, and it just it was the right timing. So it was kind of an easy decision. Um, so, so far, so good. When you're an assistant coach, everyone kind of has their own role. What is kind of your role in terms of your main responsibilities as an assistant this year? Well, I think we're all we're all figuring that out as we go. Um, you know, I really try to take a lot of pride in, in on-the-court workouts with the players. Um, 
you know, skill development, having them prepared. Um, that is something different. There's a lot more assistance, so the responsibilities get divvied up a little bit. But I think that one-on-one time with them on the floor, I think it's instrumental for, for their growth. So, you know, I try to strive in that and, you know, just be prepared for whatever whatever we need. What's been your favorite part about working with this particular group of, uh, of student-athletes? We have a great group of kids. Um, every time they reach out about working out, a new story, a new moment happens. So they're a wonderful bunch and just trying to help them in every way that I can. That was Kelly Mazanti, Bucknell assistant coach in her first season, joining us here on episode number three of the podcast. Thank you so much to her for uh, taking some time for that chat pregame on Saturday against Quinnipiac. It was an interesting week for Patriot League women's basketball as we hit week number three of the season with just two remaining teams unbeaten on the year as Colgate at 4-0 and Lehigh at 3-0 are uh, up at the top of the conference. Boston University, Navy both 2-1, American Holy Cross and Bucknell sitting at 500. American and Holy Cross though just uh, 1-1 so far this season. But there were some interesting results as we'll kind of rewind it back to last Monday where Navy took on the University of North Carolina and picked up its first loss, uh, 80-40. to That was on the heels of a, uh, a big win over Clemson uh, in the game before that saw Navy get some votes in the mid-major top 25 and, in fact, uh, move into the mid-major top 25 on College Insider last week. Lehigh beat an A-10 team in George Washington 59-53 last Wednesday. Holy Cross took down Boston College out of the ACC at a game played in Worcester, an 80-71 win uh, for the Crusaders to pick up their first win of the season, so a nice uh, feather in the cap there. American beat Villanova 76-54 in another uh, nice uh, win for Patriot League women's basketball, and Colgate held off a, a Pretty good Yale team, 70-67 to in overtime in Hamilton, New York on Saturday. Uh, so those are some of the bigger wins uh, for the Patriot League over the last week. Uh, in terms of some intriguing matchups uh, set this week, obviously Temple coming to Soika Pavilion um, is a big highlight of Wednesday's schedule. Americans playing George Mason, that'll be an interesting one to watch just because that's uh, a common opponent for American and Bucknell in the non-conference as the Bison go down uh, to George Mason. Uh, first week of December, uh, Lehigh on Friday is going to host Seton Hall in what should be uh, another interesting matchup. And then on Saturday, Bucknell is off. And Holy Cross is hosting Merrimack, which is a team that beat UMass in its first Division One basketball game. So it'll be interesting to see from the Warriors' standpoint exactly where they're at and from Holy Cross. Uh, how they stack up uh, necessarily against a team that uh, took down UMass. And, uh, you know, there's some more A-10 versus Patriot League stuff uh, on the docket on Sunday. Uh, St. Louis hosting Colgate. And uh, a lot of fun action uh, to keep an eye out on if uh, that is what you want to do. I know that's certainly what I'm going to be doing, uh, watching a couple of those games as Bucknell again. Only with the one game this week that is against Temple, when the Owls bring their 3-2 and record into Soika Pavilion as uh, Temple has wins this year at home against Fairfield, at home against Duquesne, and then at home against Xavier. They beat Xavier 78-65. Uh, 
Uh, they started their American Athletic Conference schedule already. They uh, they played a little team called the University of Connecticut uh, in Philadelphia. That was a, a home game for Temple, obviously, and it was an 83-54 to loss uh, to UConn yesterday on Sunday. So uh, the other loss is against a Big Five team in St. Joe's. They went to two Joe's and lost by four. So this is a good Temple team. This is going to be a very tough challenge for the Bison, and it tips off at 6 p.m., at Soika Pavilion this Wednesday, November 20th, if you're listening to this on time, uh, two days from now. So we uh, we hope that you you join us out at Soika Pavilion for that one. If you can't, we'll have coverage on the Bucknell-Learfield IMG College Sports Network beginning 15 minutes before the tip. Patriot League Network, you can join us as well. Um, and also that game is going to be picked up by Stadium uh, for their over-the-air network. So you can go to watchstadium.com. And uh, you could put in your zip code there and find where in your locality uh, you'll be able to watch the game on your TV um, with your antenna. Also, if you go to BucknellBison.com, uh, everything will be linked up there and, and you'll be able to, to easily access everything uh, in just one click. And so we're all out of time here today on episode three of Ballin' with the Bison. We'll talk to you on Wednesday for that Bucknell Temple game. Again, a 6 p.m. tip at Soik Pavilion. I want to thank Kelly Mizanti for joining us and you for joining us as well. My name is Joe Vasile. We'll talk to you next week on a seven-day break. This has been Ballin' with the Bison. <laughs>